you shoot that slide up? Now, um, this is a slide of uh, the failures. Do you have that? No? All right. So I don't know if you've ever seen this in a Bible study or a sermon or maybe in your class lecture. It's famous people that have gone through sorts of disappointments and failures in their life. Have you seen this? Okay, if you know anything about my preaching style, okay, I do like a little interaction, okay, I know it's rainy and, you know, you're like, I'm just trying to settle down and even have breakfast. Uh, if you're with me, I, I like a little engagement. You've, been, you've seen this, yes? Some of you? Okay, great. Uh, every time I see something like this, I have the same reaction. You know what that reaction is? Great for Michael Jordan, I don't care, I don't want it. Oh, okay, Steve Jobs, 30 years old, okay, he went through all this, okay, fine. But sign me up for the road of least resistance because I don't want the same disappointments. Yes? Anyone with me? Because I don't know about you, but I don't handle disappointment well in my life. I handle success way better. Yes? Anyone? That's me. See, but the thing is, the reality is that every one of us, and you know this, you face disappointment all the time. If I were to ask you to share with your neighbor in 2015 any disappointments that you've had, you could share for 30, 30 minutes, maybe an hour, right? And even though we might not like it, don't face it. And you see, the key is, as Christians, are we handling disappointment in a way that is biblical and healthy, that it's a springboard for growth and following God? Or is it the opposite? As Brennan Manning would say, sowing the seeds of distrust in your heart and soul. This is the full quote. Brennan Manning says this, when the shadow of Jesus' cross falls across our lives in the form of failure, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, unemployment, loneliness, depression, the loss of a loved one, when we are deaf to everything but the shriek of our own pain, when the world around us suddenly seems a hostile, menacing place, at such moments, the seeds of distrust of God are sown. And what we're going to see today is a very valuable and I think a very appropriate lesson for us. Because we've been studying Moses, yes? Right? The last couple of weeks if you've been here. And we're going to see Moses and Aaron and they're going to encounter disappointment. And they just don't handle it well. So we want to look into that. And to be able to glean some truth so that we would be able to learn how God wants us to handle disappointment in our life. You with me? Okay, thank you, Sergey. Are you with me, everyone else? Yeah? Okay, thank you. All right. So what is the struggle? What is the disappointment that Moses and Aaron face? So they are called, and you know this, to lead the people out of Egypt. And chapter 5 and 6 is what we're going to be studying, because it's a, it's a narrative that's connected together. And the cool thing about narratives, just so you know, it's a story, right? But it's it's a place where narratives are cool because you get to see theology in action, theology in real life. You know that God is sovereign, but you get to see Moses walk in what that means in real life. That's why it's important to look at narratives. And so we're going to look at Moses and Aaron. They're going to look at the disappointment that they face. They don't handle it well, and now we got to learn how do we handle it well as God wants. All right, that's where we're going. So they are called to this. So in verse 3, you know what they do? They go to Pharaoh and they talk to Pharaoh and ask that for three days they could be with the people of God to go away and not do the work and burden of making bricks and to go worship God. So chapter 5, verse 3, if you would turn there. If you don't have your Bible, 
uh, it'll be shot up. So chapter 5, verse 3, do we have that? Phil? There it is. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. So this is Moses and Aaron speaking to Pharaoh. doesn't go well. So this is how Pharaoh responds. Verse 6. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. You see what's happening here? So Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh and say, hey, we want to go on a three-day journey to worship God. Pharaoh's like, no way. You want a three-day vacay? You must have a lot of time. So guess what we're going to do? I used to give you straw to make bricks. Forget that. You go gather your own straw. So this is now put the people of Israel in a very difficult spot because biblical commentators have commented that now 60 to 70% of their time would be used to go gather the straw. So there would be no way for them to make the same amount of bricks. It's a death sentence. Do you understand that? I mean, it would be impossible. It would be like if you worked and then you needed to make a copy or you wanted to print something from your printer and the, your boss was like, no, you have to go to Staples and get paper every time. They're like, what? Right? You, you can't accomplish the same amount of work. And so obviously you're going to fail. Same situation here. Now, what happens is that the foreman, now this is, he's an Israelite. And he, he's kind of the spokesperson of Israel. So he's kind of like the head of the union of the brick-making Israelites. So he goes, and now he's going to go to speak on behalf of the people because this is crazy. They can't do what, you know, now the, the brick-making. So he goes to Pharaoh. Follow along. Verse 15 of chapter 5. Then the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But Pharaoh said, you are idle, you are idle. This is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. So they meet with Pharaoh. It's not working out. So now the foreman goes to talk with Moses and Aaron. You tracking? He says this. Verse 20. They met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to him, and check this out. This is what the foreman says to Moses and Aaron. The Lord look on you and judge because you have made us think in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. How do you think Moses and Aaron are feeling? Why are they doing this? Because God has called them to do this. They're following the order of God and it's not working out. Not only is it not working out, but the people that they're trying to help are now blaming them and attacking them and saying, man, God curse you. That's hard, isn't it? Have you ever been in a situation where you're trying to help someone and then in the end they just turn around and they just, they just kind of talk behind your back and they just, you're the blame. 
uh, I was following the news, there was this Facebook feed, and uh, I ran across this news about a guy named Roy Ortiz, and uh, he's in Col uh, Boulder County, Colorado. And so his car flipped over and went into a ditch, started going underwater, upside down. So he was going to die. The first dispatchers came and they saved him. And now uh, he's going to sue the first dispatchers. Isn't that crazy? Uh, here's the story. Take a look. Right now, you may remember Roy Ortiz being rescued from raging floodwaters back in September. His vehicle plunging into a creek after hitting a washed-out road. Well, Ortiz now filing an intent to sue the county of Broomfield and his rescuers for up to $500,000. He says the rescue took longer than it should have because they didn't know he was still in the car. Roy Ortiz realizes his rescue last September was a miracle given the fact he was trapped in raging waters for two hours. Aren't you just happy to be alive? Well, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> I really happy to be alive. But his intent to sue the county and rescuers has caused an uproar. Isn't that crazy? Uh, so I followed his story a little bit, and he, he's kind of come out and said, hey, I want them to pay for my medical bills. So how much is your medical bills? 40000 So why are you suing for 500000 Isn't that crazy? How would you feel if you're the first dispatcher? Anyone? You know, if you're really evil, you'd be like, man, I should have left you in there, man. <laughs> right? And sometimes that happens. Where you're trying to help and save and, and be kind of a source of accountability and encouragement, and all of a sudden it turns sour. It's what's happening here in Moses and Aaron, where they get the calling from God, they're moving and trying to do it God's way. It doesn't work out. Not only that, the people are turning their back and blaming them. Um, I, I want to pause here. Um, just one important thought, I think, before we move on. Um, there's an important lesson that we need to learn right here. And this is the lesson. Even if you are in the will of God, if you're following God's calling and you, you have God's responsibility given over to you and you are doing it God's way, even if you're in the very center of God's will, you are not free from struggle and disappointment. Do you understand that? You are not. It is not a sign that you are supposed to quit this and it's not the will of God, right? Because sometimes that's how we react, right? So we're doing it and it gets really hard and what do you do? Well, maybe this is not what God wants. I just skip out. But that's not what's here. We see that Moses and Aaron are moving in the will of God and they face disappointment. If you read your Bible, my friends, you will meet all sorts of people following God's calling and they fall into disappointment, failure, and struggle all the time time. You know, one of the cool things I got to do when I was in my sabbatical is I went up to Vancouver, BC, and I took a class for five days. It's a Christian leadership class at Regent College. So there was 35 of us in the class. There was about five pastors, two seminarians, and the rest were Christians who are kind of business leaders and just kind of big-time leaders in the secular world. So that kind of surprised me because uh, I, I thought it was going to be a bunch of like nerdy pastors and we're going to kind of, you know, talk about some church and it's going to be great. It wasn't like that. And the thing that also surprised me was our professor, he was like this big time guy and I had no idea. So all these people wanted to take his class. So there was like a CEO of a company. Uh, there was a, a second in charge of what's called Hydro, which is the GE of, of Canada. 
There were board members of colleges taking this class. I mean, there were all sorts of big, there's this thing called Alpha International. I don't even know what that is, but there's a board member. She was running it, and it's like internationally known, and so she's on. So I was like, what is going on? And then I find out that the professor, I had no idea. I just went because I had some time on my sabbatical, right? I had, I had no idea who this guy was. But Peter Shaw was on the, that's the name of the professor. He was on the British Parliament. Isn't that crazy? So he's telling a story, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to do his accent. But he has this cool British accent, and he's like, I was on the British Parliament. I was actually almost second in charge, and then I was in charge of training all of the British Parliament members on leadership and how to engage with media so they don't say something dumb. I was like, whoa. I mean, this is, uh, you know, God-ordained, because I did not sign up for this. But God brought me here. And the cool thing was one discussion that we had. One full day was on setbacks in your leadership context. And I'm telling you, everyone started to share, and that was the longest session we had. People sharing setback after setback, after disappointment and struggle of all these things. And they persevered and they moved on. And so you need to know this because some of you, maybe right now, you know that God has called you to something, but it's getting difficult. And you're thinking, I'm out of here. I'm going to Google a different web. Uh, uh, you know, is there another job in my field? Uh, maybe I need to. No. Stay strong if you know that this is God's calling in your life. Um, I went to Russia and, uh, on one of my missions trips, and uh, the missionary told me, not only on one occasion, but maybe two or three, his wife coming home from the market was chased by white supremacist skinheads with a knife to kill her. Isn't that crazy? If that's me, I'm like, pack your bags, we go home. That's, that's me. But you see, the missionary and his wife both shared, why are they still there? Because they know that God has called them to that place. Even when I was getting ordained, one of the things that they ask you, the main question, this 80-year-old man, this pastor, he's interviewing me, he says, how do you know that you're called to be a pastor? And you know why he asked that? Because he said, you know what's going to make you sustain and live and, and just kind of last through ministry for the long haul? It's not your knowledge. It's not how good you are with people. It's not even if people like you. It is, do you know that God has called you to it? Because if you know, then regardless of the difficulties, you stay true. Does that make sense? So hopefully it's an encouragement to some of you because maybe you are in a season where it's really difficult and the responsibility and God's calling on your life is tough. Hang in there if you know God has called you to it. So, we see that Moses and Aaron is going through all of this. And uh, so he, uh, Moses and Aaron, they respond to God. And I love this. Because can't you just really see yourself saying this, all right? So go there. <laughs> Verse 22, then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Have you had this conversation with God? Because I have, yeah? Like, why, God? Like, it's not working out. You brought me here, and it, what, what are you doing? Have you had that, anyone? Yes? If you did, can you give a, yeah? Yeah? Yes, thank you. 
Because I know that all of us have had that conversation. And the thing is, is in these moments, the seeds of distrust are sown. Because you start to doubt. And you see here that in Moses and Aaron, that the distrust is bearing fruit into full-blown doubt of God. And I don't know if you're there right now. But chapter 6 is very important for you if you are. All right, so we're going to go there. Because God is going to answer Moses and Aaron. So that is the section that we read. So I want you to go to verse 1 of chapter 6. This is God answering Moses and Aaron. He says this, But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. You know what he's saying here? You know what God is saying? He's simply saying, trust me. He's saying, trust me. I'm going to do it. What I said and what I set you out to do, I'm going to bring it to fruition. You just got to trust me. And then the rest of the section is reasons why we should trust him. And see, this is, I think, very important for us to really engage when, on a weekly basis, maybe on a daily basis, because God is going to explain some fundamental universal truths that we need to hold on to. He says this, if you read on, in verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, stop there. You know what God is saying to Moses? He's saying, look, I am sovereign, I am in control, I know what I'm doing, you can trust in that. I am the Lord and Savior of your life, and I love you. Read on. Verse 3, I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. You know what he's saying there? He says, I have been faithful in the past to people before. Ask some people. Look, I have been there and I have done what I promised I would do. Go on. Verse 4, I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, verse 5 is amazing. And I want you to underline or circle it. If you have a pen, it says this. I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. You know, one of the struggles uh, for Christians is we sometimes think that God doesn't hear us. You know what he's telling Moses and the Israelites? He's saying, look, I hear you. I care. I know. Even before a word is spoken, I know your situation, and I hear. Isn't that beautiful? Now, um, there's, a, there's a beautiful statement here in the sense that God knowing and also listening. And there's a difference there because let's say my daughter comes to me with candy in her hand. I already know what that conversation is going to be like, right? I mean, I already know. But the patience to be able to get down and be like, hey, what's going on? and hearing and listening to her. That's different. Instead of me seeing her come with candy, I'm like, no candy, go, 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 go. Right, that's the knowing what's happening, but not listening. You see, God cares enough, even though he knows, he's patient with us to be able to listen and hear the cries of our heart. Moving on. 
Verse 6, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So once again, a reminder that I'm going to do it. Just hold on to my promise. But I want you to see how Moses responds. Verse 12, but Moses said to the Lord, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Now you've been told in church since you were little that you need to trust God. And yes, you know that. And that's the lesson for today. But there's going to be two things that I want you to hold on to. How do you trust God well? Well, there's two things here. The first thing is this. You need to hold on to God and see clearly who he is. And then secondly, don't be held back by your weakness and limitations. Right? Because what do you see here with Moses? God just went through all this stuff. of I'm your God. I hear you. I'm going to carry it out. And what is his response? I have uncircumcised lips. He's caught up. He's held back by his weakness and limitations. You know what the cool thing here is? God never goes back to Moses, and you know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, Moses, your lips are fine. That's fine. God doesn't say that. God is going to work in spite of our weakness and limitations. Amen? Regardless of what you struggle with, and let me just, let's get real. We all struggle with something. We all have limitations and weaknesses. God will work in spite of that. Uh, to share a little bit of my, my story, uh, I'm actually a fob. I, I was born in Korea. I came here when I was six and a half. And so I don't know if you can tell by my, you know, my speech, but uh, one of the setbacks and limitations that I felt when I was called into ministry is I didn't want to give a 20, 30-minute sermon because some R's and L's come out weird out of my mouth sometimes. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes like the fob moment will come up, and you'll see it when, if you stay long enough. And so it's like, really, God, you want me to give sermons? Well, God will work in the midst, in spite. And he will even highlight your weakness for his glory. And we see Moses being caught up in that. And what God says, no, I am the Lord. See me, I'm going to do it. I care about you. Trust in me. Uh, When I was speaking at a youth retreat up in San Jose, I met this wonderful girl in the youth group. Her name was Cindy. And um, uh, she has autism, uh, full-blown. But that's, she's not defined by that. Because she shares all the time that I am a child of God who struggles with autism. And that's how she defines herself. So I met her, and she's a wonderful, wonderful girl. And during worship, she would stand out. She's just praising with joy and giving everything. She would walk around the room and pray for students. And so I was like, I have to meet this this wonderful child of God. I got to talk to her. So I pulled her aside and we talked. And she just shared like just wonderful things. And simply it's just, she just said, well, God loves me. And that's all that matters. Isn't that great? Like literally I walked away and I was like, I saw no disability. This is a woman despite 
whatever struggles and limitations that she feels she has and the world has put upon her. You know, the cool thing about her, she wrote a book. Isn't that crazy? And she's not held back by her weakness because she feels that God has called her to share God's love. So I don't want to get the, the title wrong here of her book. I struggled to find the first service too here. Uh, so give me a second. Um, so she wrote a book. And the title of the book, if I can find it, is here it goes. The Life of a 20-Year-Old Christian Woman with Autism. Isn't that crazy? And she's writing her second book. The second book is a devotional book for people with autism. She works at Goodwill. You know why? Because her parents need money? No, they're fine. They're well off. But she's there because she wants to help people that are in need. I don't know about you, but that humbles me. And sometimes, for us, God has moved us and called us and given us a burden for certain things, and we look at our weakness and limitations and we say, God, I can't. I'm not going to do it. There's no way. But I want you to know that God can work in spite of your weakness and limitation. I want you to meet her. I have a little clip. She's playing a song. It's beautiful. I'd like for you to meet Cindy because she's a wonderful woman of God. Go ahead. Hey, guys. A happy Sunday. So today I'm going to play the songs. Here I am to worship. How great is our God. And God is so good on the piano. May God be glorified. Facebook friends with her and her Instagram friends. And so she posts stuff all the time, you know, trying to encourage people. And, and she posts these videos of her worshiping God. And I want you to know, look, whatever your weakness or limitation, if God wants to work, he will work through that. Do you believe that? Amen? And he can do his work. And you see from Moses and Aaron, yes, they had disappointment. But what God wants them to do is in spite of that, in spite of people turning their back, even though you have these real limitations and weaknesses, if you see me clearly, I am enough. I am enough. And so we need to trust in that. Look, there are some areas in our lives right now. Maybe the seeds of distrust have been sown. And you're not fully giving it over to the Lord. Maybe it's a difficult place. Maybe you, you're struggling because you have a family member who's sick or you lost a job or things around you are just not working out and all of a sudden you don't see God, you see the difficulty. I want you to know that God is the Lord. He loves you. He cares about you. He's on your behalf working. And regardless of what God has called you to, it's never too big for God to bring about his glory and his result. What we're going to do is, as I end my sermon, I, I put a little notepad, a little sticky at the end of the, if you take a look, I'd like for you to take one, and I'd like for you to pass the rest down, okay? One sheet per person. We're going to do a little exercise. 
Okay? Because sometimes we hear sermons, we walk away and we say amen and that's enough, right? But it's not. What I want you to do is we need to start giving some real careful thought into, man, how do I give parts of my life that I'm not giving fully over to God, to him, because he deserves it, he is worthy, and he is enough for any situation. So what I want you to do is this. I'd like for you to write down areas of your life that you struggle to give over to God, that you don't trust him in. Right now, it's just difficult, and you need him. I'd like for you to write those things down and commit it to God and say, God, I want to trust you more in these areas. Maybe you're struggling with your weakness or limitation. Maybe you don't trust that God will be faithful. Maybe you don't even think he hears you. I hope you're reminded that he is your Lord, your Savior, your God, and he's there, and he's available. And so in those areas right now that you're struggling with, I'd like for you to just write those things down. So take a minute. And when you're done, not in fancy Christian words and stuff like that, but in your most plain language to God, I'd like for you to just commit that to God. Say, God, I need to trust you more in this. Just help me. I've been a Christian for a long time, but I don't trust you in this. I don't trust you with my kids. I don't trust you with my future. I don't trust you with the health of my mom. I don't trust and see you clearly. I need you. And so just in your plain language, know that God is here and he hears us, cares about us. Just commit that to God. Just take some time, however long you need. Just commit it to God and say, God, I need you. I need to trust you. I need to learn that. Not just for my salvation, but for every disappointment and detail of my life. So would you do that? Take a minute. Let's pray.